So, um, I'm a little nervous because Halloween is right around the corner and all of the Dr. Fauci costumes have been completely sold out in every spirit Halloween. Yeah. And if you show up to a Halloween party as anything with Dr. Fauci this year, you're getting fucking roasted to shit. This is the year for Fauci. Now, everyone thinks it was it was his year in 2020 when, you know, we really needed to re- to rely on him as an antidote to Trump. Uh, and then, you know, he's gone on sort of a precipitous drop over the years. But this is the comeback year for Fauci. OK, and he's and and he's going to he's going to come out on stage, but only if it's kind of like um he's like the groundhog. Right. And there's certain circumstances that have to happen for him to come out. And the circumstance here is that everyone has to be in their Dr. Fauci costume or winter is a, another we have another COVID winter. Yeah. If uh, if the groundhog sees someone not dressed as Dr. Fauci, we're getting another Omicron winter. <laughs> um, I, like, and, obviously, and, Omicron winter was bad because all those people died and it sucked. But like, I didn't hate staying inside and just watching movies all day. Listen, take that energy you that that haranguing, condescending energy that people have for mask wearing and now apply that to Fauci Halloween costumes. You you, you should be the guy posting. Wow. Guess I'm the only one in this DMV with this Fauci costume on. Hmm. Hashtag science. <laughs> Yeah, because that is the real science here is reminding people about Dr. Fauci and keeping them thinking about Dr. Fauci. Um, and yeah, cause it, because if, as long as Dr. Fauci is in our thoughts, he's still real. Do you know what I mean? Like it's once we start thinking right. about him that he starts to disappear, kind of like a Tinkerbell. Right. Uh, absolutely. Because, yes, I, we know that we know that Fauci was killed. We know that his body was defiled and burned. But the, but the spirit of him lives on. Yeah. The only way to get um, him out of the crocodile is to believe. Yep. And this podcast, to quote Naruto, is all about believing it. And we believe a lot of things. You know, we believe in the vaccine and we believe in all those other things. Yeah, um, it's pretty it's, it's pretty confusing. Our deal. <laughs> uh, and welcome back to our deal. Gosh, you know, a lot of life has been been pushing me around. And every day I, I go up to the big man upstairs, God, and ask, sir. May I please record my little podcast with my friend? And and like two thirds of the time, God goes, no, shut the fuck up. Yeah, because God, because um, a fun fact, maybe you non podcasters don't know, is that God listens to every podcast. And so he has a best yeah. interest in stopping us from recording so he doesn't have to hear this bullshit. He, yeah. they, she, and, but, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Faye, Um it, You know, for me. I've always thought of God as a big crooked media head. Uh, that's kind of, I feel like the majority of what he's listening to. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely moving the goalposts for heaven to make sure Favreau gets there. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, I've made all of these Johns and now I will watch them descend upon the world. They're like angels. Yeah. No, that's the orders. It goes, there's like the, the thrones, the virtues, the cherubim, the Johns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Johns. <laughs> right below the Cherubines. Yeah. Right below the Cherubines, you got your Johns. And they're descend- they're the- put forth by the Lord. What, when are we going to... Everyone's doing Rings of Power. Everyone's doing House of the Dragon. When are we getting the Bible prequel? Uh, I, I, just, I just feel like there's so much there. It's the best lore. It's the hottest stuff. And it seems like... Are people just scared? 
Are people scared of it? Because well, like Noah rocked. I think it's like this is the thing. If you do the Bible cool, like in the Noah way, the people yeah. who love the Bible are going to get mad. And the people who don't mm. already love the Bible aren't as interested. And then if you do um, Bible in the way they'll make the Bible people happy, there's no way you're reaching the non-Bible people. Like, I just don't know how you can respect the Bible and hate like ants, giant tree walkers right, like and things like that. part of the Bible where like Ezekiel has that dream or like basically aliens show up and kill everyone. And he's stuck in a valley full of skeletons that are yelling at him and it rules. Yeah. Like that's unambiguously dope. Um, Yeah. But, you know, uh, if you were to put that in a movie, a lot of Christians would say or Jews or whoever Bible folks would say, oh, hold on a second. My Bible is not aliens. And it's like, well, I don't know. He sees an inconceivable object and sets stuff on fire. Sounds like aliens. Mm -hmm. I just want to. Yeah, I just want to I want to do sort of the God's not dead thing. But but I don't want it to be so negative. I want I want it to be affirmative. I want to say God is alive and he's surrounded by skeletons. Yeah. No. I mean, everything I know checks out. Everything I know it checks <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, folks, uh, you know, we're surrounded by some skeletons ourselves. The skeletons of all the other gaming podcasts that quit when it was sensible. Folks, welcome back to Game Boys. I am your host, Griffin, and I'm joined, of course, by me, Lux. Mm-hmm. And uh, always on the twos and ones, we have our producer, uh, Haley. Um, the protagonist of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, the the sort of the the Walter White antihero, sort of you the know, only sort of like um I, sort of like I'm a, Skyler, yeah, okay, sort of, yeah, and I'm a Jesse because of, of my uh, horrid brain. Oh yeah, you're um, Jesse, but uh, the you know she's sort of the. Like it's a Game of Thrones, she's kind of like the Arya, like the only one you can like definitely root for. You know, mm-hmm. can't root for us. Why would you? Wait, sorry. I'm just seeing an insane tweet right now. Are you looking at the, Bur- the Burns thing? I mean, no, no, no. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> it's so funny. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to just keep kind of filling the air on the podcast as I'm reading it. It's uh, so good. That's that's. Wait, why did he? Oh, no. He, we're engaging with this guy? Oh, no. That's the problem. No, well, the first problem is just that the guy just like absolutely misinterpreted an obviously joke tweet and got so mad about it yeah okay i don't know if this part stays in the podcast we'll see uh sorry just got very distracted by that no, that very one good. that one was a deal that's why i was slightly late on my intro because i saw that pop up as a death <laughs> on notification. i was like what the fuck you guys don't deserve any better though where we should be reading twitter while we do this because well i'll come up with a reason why later uh <laughs> but uh <laughs> so where are we at today what are what is happening what is going on? Fucking today has been all about the fall of Liz Truss. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say G4, but Liz Truss, yeah, really ran G4 into the ground, didn't she? Yeah. Well, well G, G4 <laughs> eating shit, but honestly, G4 eating shit is eating shit not even on a proxy, like a comparable scale to Liz Truss. Liz Truss was somehow the prime minister <laughs> of England for like 20 minutes. Like I went to the bathroom and took one dump and then she was like, I'm resigning. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. She speed she speed ran the thing. Yeah, she's she like, "What if no taxes?" And then like bread cost like uh, seventy dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's funny because um, like a couple weeks ago, that's so awesome. A couple of weeks ago, so, England it's, had it's two cool. lizards. It's cool to fuck up that bad. It's so cool. I don't know. No, it I mean, is cool. Not, 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 you don't want to do it, but it's 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 you know it's cool to see that you know people are human. And, yeah. you know, and it's cool to see that, you know, we, uh, 
it's cool to see that we really need Boris. And I mean, you should have backed Boris from the beginning. Should have should have backed Boris. It's just crazy that like two weeks ago, or three, four, like a couple weeks ago, England had two Liz's in charge. They had a yeah. double Liz the, quotient, and now they've dropped the right back down to zero. They're lower mm-hmm. on they're lower on powerful Liz's, and they've been in seventy years or whatever. L- Liz is the British share uh, Karen. Um, yeah. So and they used to be in power. Now they're not. Lot to, yeah, lot to unpack there. Lot to unpack. A lot to unpack there. You know, for me, Boris Johnson is kind of more like a physical disc media guy. And Liz was always like a Google Stadia. Yeah. You know, just from the start, just doomed to fail. We're, we're not there yet, you know, with uh, with taxes or streaming video games online. Um, yeah. So Liz is down. But where did and that 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 was sort of a domino effect to, to g4 uh which you know i think is is a little more related to our expertise yeah, something to do so, what we're talking about on the show yeah so, so, so many g4. funny Liz trust memes well again, uh are they funny for anyone who doesn't know who she is uh yeah because a lot of them are like british people being like today is a wild day in the history of england because we've had a prime minister like, for instance, the fucking labor lead, Keir Starmer, was like, uh, I heard they're writing a book about Liz Truss's prime ministership. It should be out in December and it'll take about as long to publish as she was the prime minister. Oh, everyone is doing massive just layups. Yeah, they're just fucking dunking on her ass all over the place, all over British everything. It's so funny. They're doing, I guess, whatever they do over there, which is like croquet or whatever, and just yeah. like ramming those little balls through those plastic hoops yeah those hoops are wide right now because she fucking goofed it huge um so yeah she did goof it because you know as we know g4 never could really come back in the same form uh you know we're heading back into a uh you know a, a global recession um that seems pretty imminent everything is more expensive uh, people are getting fired and sort of all the bubbles of new media streaming services and everything in between well they're starting to crumble folks and we saw what happened here this week with g4 tv and what did g4 really even stand for what does that even mean gaming four <laughs> uh yeah and maybe if the they added a few more numbers on that could have been G5. Yeah, I don't know if it's already it a was thing. Honestly, it was time for G4 to become G5, and they yeah. just didn't make the leap. Right. Mm-hmm. They're getting getting so close to like a G6. Uh, I don't know. Like, I watched this video today of like everybody on G4 saying goodbye to like the set and the studio and everything. And it was insane to see how bougie their office and all of their studios and rooms were. And it was just like, just watching that video, it was like, oh, this is why right here. Like, like there's just no operation in the world revolving around gaming media that can make enough money right now outside of just some guy in his bedroom like us. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that with a lot of these things, there's like an, they, they emerge when there's a big influx of money. Right. Like someone is like, it's time for gaming media to be huge. Here's a bajillion dollars. And the Mm -hmm. impulse is let's make the best possible thing in the world. We'll bring the best fucking people and we're going to spend a lot of money on it. And it doesn't assume that the market will change at all. Um, And if they if you just like do a little bit less, (laughs) 
you get you get a little bit of wiggle room. You get a little bit of room to, to figure it out. And like respect to G4 for going whole hog and trying to do like the, the you know the best shit they possibly could. And I think that's fucking rules. I think it's a great way to approach things. But like digital media and especially gaming media goes through such quick transitions between like boom and bust times that like yeah. it's really crazy to invest in like obviously put everything on the fucking screen. That's the other thing is like put everything on the screen, but they have so much other shit at their offices. It's like fun and cool to attract all the best people. And it's like, look, if you're spending all this fun and cool shit, that's awesome. It's great to have like a ping pong table or whatever. But like, if you're building lounges and shit, like that's money, that's not going on the screen. That's also not going to people. That's also like raising your overhead costs by a bajillion percent. Yeah. I'm declaring a ban on all ping pong tables until we figure out what the hell is going on. I mean, um, if ping pong tables were the core problem, Google would have gone under <laughs> years ago. Like that's, 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 that's my executive uh, avocado toast perspective. Uh, but with ping pong tables. Yeah. I mean, I think that what you're saying is true in just a general sense about the media industry. But when we think specifically about um, the way that people are online content creators and specifically ones that are about gaming is there are people with much larger audiences with an incredibly minute scale of production and that it seems like the only thing that corporations know how to do is production, high scale production. But in this new in this new environment where you're competing with Asmongold, whose room is filled with Diet Coke cans and isn't well lit and he's getting two million views a YouTube video and he's putting out five a day. Um you're never going to be able to compete with that on a corporate scale. And, and it's just really fascinating to see corporations pretend or attempt to do these routes that seem to really only be built for our individuals. Right. Like, I mean, the thing with G4, right, that's frustrating is that the distinction between what G4 was doing, and what you get on a Twitch stream or a gaming YouTube or whatever was not that that huge aside from sort of like production quality. Right. To the, even to the degree they were hiring like gaming YouTubers and gaming Twitch people, which is not what people want. People want intimacy and people want connection with a with a host. They don't they don't care that they're like in a fifty thousand dollar studio. And if you're going to take those big swings, like you have to make shit that is different and that is made different by that financing. It can't just be right. the financially plussed up version of the thing that Asmongold is doing in his room. And so because a lot of those shows were like. Like basically the G4 would like basically do something that's basically the same as like Chris Person's highlight reel. And it's like Chris is just a nasty little freak who builds keyboards at his house. Yeah. And Chris is already just doing that just with him. Yeah, you know? exactly. And he's just like a weird little guy. Um, so I you can't him. compete. But like you can't compete with that if you're going to do the same thing because his shit is so much cheaper. He's good at it. And you're not going to do that. Like the difference is not going to be that much bigger. But if you dedicate $300,000 or whatever to making the show that competes with that, like you're fucking just throwing money down the toilet. Yeah. So that that was always like, I think, fatal flaws with with G4, no matter no matter like, you know, which way they went about it. It seemed to me like the only way that G4 really could have come back is if they had just done some sort of like live streaming program and then some like YouTube content at just like a much smaller scale, um, more intimate, because, you know, at the end of the day, like. Even the even the hosts that they brought back, like those two boomers, like Greg or whatever the other guy is, like it's cute that they were the faces of the thing back when G4 had a presence. But they are like not big people 
to draw new audiences for. They are the older generation. Um, just because they have a lot of like social media followers, it doesn't like, like, I don't know. I see a lot of guys with like a hundred K followers tweeting out to like two or three likes. Like it's, it's, it it doesn't mean that they are on the, like the zeitgeist they are in the moment. Yeah. And exactly. Like there's, those are indicators, like indicators are the same as they've always been. Like there are ways you can tell who's talented, who connects with an audience, who's funny, who's a good performer. And like they had to pay those people to come on their show. Like that's where a lot of their budget went is to literally just getting streamers that are actually popular to populate their shows just so people would check it out. They even had like other streamers raid their Twitch channel just to get more views. Right. And I think that goes to both to what you're saying that like there's a certain just misdiagnosis of what people are after and a misdiagnosis of how to provide that to people as well as the thing that, that I was getting at, which is just like if but like it has to be a difference in type, right? Like the, the thing that drew people to Twitch and YouTube away from television is that it was a different kind of thing than television. And if you're going to try and draw people back towards television or television adjacent things, you kind of have to provide something that is different than Twitch and YouTube. And they're not doing they weren't doing that. And that sucks because I, I think obviously like I want everyone in media to get paid a shitload of money and like have job security and all that shit. And I think it sucks that this happened. And it's a bummer. Um, I'm not, we're not going to revel in their failure. Like it sucks for all these people. It's like very sad, but like this is indicative of like the nature and the economics and the sort of flawed perspectives of a lot of this development work. And that's like, that that's going to be true next time. It's going to keep being true until people do shit differently. Like that's just the way it is. Like it's, it's producers and EPs who are putting fucking creatives in this position that is going to end up fucking them because like the channel will die. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's a, there's a lot of that stuff. And then it just seemed like, uh, and I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole this one, but I did see a lot of clips from certain hosts like yelling at the the G-Force, like G-Force, ho- G4 hosts like yelling at the audience um, for being sexist or for being bad in certain ways or, or essentially she was like this one host was accusing people that the viewership was down because she wasn't Olivia Munn. Um, And I don't know. There seemed to be just like a really antagonistic relationship between them and their audience. So it just seemed like there was like a lot of things going on. That's like going to be a big, that's like, that's an inevitably big part of trying to do sort of more forward thinking and more broad, like, and like needing a broad audience type work on those platforms. Like, you do want to do you like sexism is bad. Racism is bad. Like these are bad things and you want to do everything in your power to remove them from your audience. But also like the gaming community such as it is still has those things in fucking spades. Like those things are rampant within gaming. Like that's just, and I think the best, yeah. You know, and the best way to, I think teach people about it is, is not to like maybe, uh, is not to like go for them, but like to show dumb examples of idiots and and goof on them. You know, whether that's your Andrew Tate's or whether that's uh, some dumbass like making fun of like or complaining about the facial hair on Horizon Dawn, like abstract it to something that's not personal to them. And like you could actually teach them something other than that they're uh, deplorables or whatever. Yeah, I I I think I, I get their impulse, but I think you're totally right that it was like an ineffective approach and also like. It's weird to me that it wasn't a thing. And this, this is from what I've seen on tweets and like people's interviews. It wasn't like a thing they had like prepared for in advance, which is crazy. Like they were like sort of like, well, what are we going to do about all this racism and misogyny in our video game fan audience? And it's like, how did you decide you wanted one of those and not already have like a five step plan for this? Like 
that's something that like is built into the territory just because of who plays video games, the traditions around video games and like, you know, all that kind of shit. Yeah. So uh, definitely a tough situation. Um, I think I think obviously the only the only gamer rehabilitative process occurs on this podcast. Yeah. OK, you'll be washed clean of your sins. Yeah. Like Hunter's our um, friend now, but he used to be really fucked up. Yeah, exactly. I uh, he he tried to rob me in a parking lot once and then. <laughs> His DS fell out of his chain wallet. It was actually connected to his chain wallet. And we and went then, from there. Yeah, you know, story, then, you know, a, a tale as old as time. That was unfair to Hunter. The only reason I was talking about that was because he and I were talking about talking about basketball on Twitch. You know, I feel like I threw him under the bus, even just because I was thinking about him in a nice context, which is cruel. But he did have a DS and a chain wallet and did try to rob Griffin. That all is true. Yeah, it is. Um, so that's G4. Uh, I don't know. What, what else? What else do we want to explore today, Lux? Um, NBA is back. You don't care about that at all. <laughs> I just wanted to see what you'd say if I mentioned it, and it really lived up to my expectations. Um, I don't know. What's a there's, there's oh, oh Final Fantasy 16 trailer. Oh yeah, there's an FF 16 trailer. True. Did you watch it? I did. But you want to do a live watch in the stream? Uh, yeah. Why not? That'll fill some time. That sounds fun. Well, I was more thinking the second thing than the first thing, but yeah, both are true. Uh, <laughs> Here, I'll share it. I'll share Thank my you, screen. Sir. Oh, it, quote unquote ambition. It's a long boy, too, which I like. What happens when I full screen it? it it's good. It, yeah, yeah. Whoa. OK. And I'm not even doing a soundtrack for this one. Look at like, it's looking good. It looks good. Um, But the faces do still look very like cartoony, though, in a way. I think that's OK. That's kind of the Square Enix look, I feel like. Yeah. We love creative business unit three. Damn. I love this. Crystals. We're all we're back to crystals because of Yoshida P. He loves crystals. It's all about Final Fantasy 14's crystals. All it right. really does feel all like right. a return to the roots, you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna pause and just click through some some moments while we talk about it. Oh, this fucking um, town. Yeah, there's um I mean this this feels a lot like a console. Like there's a lot of elements to this that feel distinctly Final Fantasy 14 from like the desert town to the seaside town. Like there's just a lot of things uh, here that you can really see from the the Yoshida P angle um, from his work on 14 online. Um, yeah, the voice acting is really well done. Uh, the characters are interesting. Um it it kind of has like a definitely like a darker shades to it as well. Um, yeah, well, it definitely seems like they're returning to like uh, like the Heroes of Light stuff, like from the earlier games and Fantasy and fourteen. Like his Heroes of Light stuff is like that's in like four, and I think it's in six, and like okay. and like that's like a running thing, and so it does feel like with the darker tones and like the crystals. And the sort of fallenness of the world that that's sort of like what they're veering towards here. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some some sort of some very dark shots of a kid right here turning into a weird cool monster. Nine tails fox. A lot of people charging up. Um, yeah, the green charging <laughs> up into the mix is genius. Yeah. A, a lot of people charging up. Uh, a lot of characters screaming. Some of the kind of like most. I would say pained and anguished facial screams I've seen in a Final Fantasy game yet. And then just some just some like really insane spectacle visually that, you know, Final Fantasy has always kind of pushed the angle on. But I, this is going to be one of the games that it looks next gen. And, and I think that we are in like 
there's a very limited supply of things that are like that right now. Yeah. And I, we, I know we've, we've said this a thousand fucking times on the show, but like it would be so sick if we finally crest that thing where this is just what games look like now. Um, like, cause it looks fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know if, you know, it just depends on, on the, on the, you know, the studio and the production level. I do think yeah, that we hit like the a, standard norm. We hit, we hit, you, I think graphics eventually do plateau at a certain point. I mean, if you look at like the leap from like 2010, like from like 2000 to 2010, like in terms of graphics, it's such an exponential leap. But then like, let's look at like, you know, from 2010 to 2020, it's gotten better, but like I think those improvements are going to start becoming smaller and smaller. Yeah, I mean that is basically how it works. But I just feel like we haven't even made even like that first leap yet with the new generation of consoles. That's that's one hundred percent true. Um, like that's and, the you thing know, is like I feel like there will be a plateau eventually, but like it just seems like we're not even close right now. <laughs> If things are looking like this and you're like playing like Kingdom Hearts style, like real time action combat in that and it's all like at a, at a high frame rate and looking this good. Yeah, it's like this is like this is another reason to like buy that PS5, buy that Xbox series, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like why we were like this is what we were sold. This is the bill of goods that we were sold with the PS5 was like you will be able to put this shit that looks like a fucking movie on your TV and like live in that world and engage that world in a, like a really even more immersive than ever type of way because of all the new haptic feedback controller stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like this finally looks like the, like, you know, the world that was promised to us. <laughs> uh, it excites me more than God of War Ragnarok in terms of like offering that next gen experience because, you know, Ragnarok pretty much looks like the last God of War. I mean, it looks maybe, maybe there's like a slight, like sheen of like upgrade visuals to it but like at the end of the day it's not showing me anything that wildly different from the first one in terms of graphics so i'm not like as blown away yeah totally it feels like I, think a when you mentioned, I think when you mentioned ff14 you really hit something there which is that like ff14 as it continued past like because it, it continued making new expansions after 15 happened um, really pushed the limit of sort of ambition and like visual sort of like risk taking and stylistic sort of like pushing the limits uh, for FF games. And I really like that this game really feels like, OK, we did 14. We did all this shit and learned so much about how to push this thing. We don't have to worry about online anymore. We don't have to worry about co-op anymore. It's a single player game. We can really focus in. It really seems like that's what they've done is be like, how do we take 14 and fucking put it like put the foot on the gas? give all of the money that we would save by banning ping pong tables and give it to Yoshida. I bet Yoshida has the same. He's on the same tip there. I don't, I don't think there's a ping pong table in Japan because they're working so goddamn hard. Yeah. I mean, certainly not square Enix. <laughs> um, that, that is also like the, the, always the question. It's like, you know, there's so many amazing things coming out of Square Enix, but like there's just no way it's a company that's ran ethically. Right. It's just like the the sheer volume of content sort of and things they put yeah, out. It does feel like it couldn't possibly be. <laughs> right. But like we also like who knows? Like maybe there's, you know, we have no, you know, we're not we're not over there. Like we don't know how the people on the ground feel, but I will say from the outside, it does seem inconceivable that it would be run like a real company because of how much shit they're constantly putting out, how many people they employ, mm-hmm. and what they're doing. This is kind of a digression, sure. Um, 
But you mentioned uh, aliens in the Bible earlier. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of gotten alien pilled again. And it's kind of all I can think about. I'm sorry. I know this isn't an alien podcast, but can I can I can I please just talk for a second? Um. So I keep on reading more and more articles and not like from the fucking forum places, but like real articles um, saying that like our government is increasingly concerned with the flight risks posed to all of the UFOs in the sky. Um, And it's just crazy that no one really cares or talks about it. And I'm about to like, I'm almost at the point where it's like, I'm going to go see one of these things. They're out there all the time. Every day they're there, apparently. Um, That's what we're hearing. So like, why haven't we gone out? Why? Let's just get on a boat. I want to go see one of these things. They're real. They're real. What? Can, how, can Everybody, I, when I bring this up, people look at me like I'm crazy still. And I think it's such a boring choice for people. And it's just like, we have major factual reporting that there are a massive amount of unexplainable but and visually identified flying objects. And it's, I, do we just not have enough time? Yeah. I mean, just let me like, no, I'm with it. Like, I would love to get on the boat because like, I don't know if I 100% buy that it aliens, but like, let me see one of the objects. Those objects are out there. Like, that's the thing is like. I'm not going to describe a providence to these objects. I don't know what they are, but like, it seems very clear that people keep seeing objects. Yeah. Like the, the one that really, the one that trips me out the most or like the, or the one that I got the most like spooked about was apparently there's this one that they would see a lot that is, it's a, it has a circle, a circular plane to it, but then like a, like um like a plate or something but then it just has this this floating square in the center and and it's just like this like weird square kind of in the center of this like thinly planed ring and it's just floating there and it's just like that's some that's some like freaking the forerunners halo shit like Yeah, I mean, the reports are fucking nuts. And it does seem like something that people should be talking about more. But I think you're kind of right with the we have no time. Like, there's still a new disease that everyone's getting. The economy is collapsing. World War Three might be happening. Rising fascism, climate change. And everyone's like, I can't just I don't have time to fucking do aliens. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But that like also there's been some reporting um, that the government does have some way more. Um, this this was reported from a few uh, of the Navy guys, the pilots, because what would happen is like there's a fuck ton everywhere, but there's a shit ton over the water right now. Um, and essentially these these pilots uh, would get go out and and fly around for their just their normal training drills and they would literally like see them every day out there uh reporting them and stuff like that um and these these like navy officers have also said like or navy pilots they've also said that they know that there is a lot of high quality like up close rendered images of these things and that frankly they're disturbing 
that they are very disturbing to look at because to look at them is to not be able to comprehend what's happening. And that is fucking gives me the chills. That's like exciting to me in a lot of ways, though. I'm very like that's that's the part to me that's cool is like yeah. can contacting something like can come into contact with something that is like so epistemically distinct from a human being that it like processes information in a fundamentally different way. Like to me, that yeah. is cool as hell. Or that you yourself can't process it is is the yeah. real is the real thing. Like um, and it's it's weird because. I, th- I think my I have a I have like a working theory um, and, you know, it's just it seems like they're all there's a lot of them out there all up in the sky and not just in around America either. And they've been cited a lot more recently, but people are saying that's because they've upgraded their radar systems to be able to see them. But they seem like they're watching. Right. They're observing. They're not interacting. They don't. They don't like come up to you. They just do their thing or whatever. Um, And, you know, I think that they might be curious if we're about to blow this entire planet up, you know, as we inch closer to like nuclear war. Um, And, you know, I, 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 I think that they are legitimately here, like ready to see this planet if it gets nuked. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're just a TV to them. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, you're right. There might not even be anyone like inside these crafts. Like they could just be like cameras, you know, yeah, there's broadcast. There's just broadcast. And they're like, look at these fucking dinked. We're yeah. a reality. <laughs> South Park was right. We're a reality show. Yeah, we're like already the show or whatever. Um, and and that's that's like that's interesting to me. Uh, and the other thing that's so weird about them is that the they often are like hovering very close to like the ocean. Um, and, you know. I you got like the the big the big okay we, I've already done like ten minutes on this I promise I promise we'll go to an ad soon um the big thing <laughs> oh, hooray, the, big, the audience says excitedly <laughs> an ad amazing <laughs> they they're begging for an ad at this point yeah, the big thing that it. we always hear is that we can't we don't actually have good mapping or understanding of what's in the ocean I don't believe that. I do not believe that. I think that we have a lot more exploration of the ocean and what might be going down there than than we think. That's my Counter two cents. And I think point. Okay, fine, but that's why James Cameron's going down there. That's it. That's all I'll say. Well, okay. Well, James Cameron's a great segue to my counterpoint because the fact that James Cameron is like at the forefront of ocean exploring technology makes me think we don't have good mapping and also makes me think that because of that not good mapping, it makes a lot of sense that they're appearing around and above the ocean because that's like, you know, what if they're from beneath? I I 100% think that they are operating in the ocean whether they're from there or whether that's just where they like go to hide because it's like super easy to hide down there. Um, I don't know, but I I don't know. Something about the ocean, something about the ocean, something about these aliens. And I'm just begging people to, to, to care a little more about this. It, it is, I don't know. I guess it's because there's nothing you can really do about it, but that's where I disagree. I think we're getting very close to actually being able to see some of these things. And, and, and so you can do something about it. You know, 
I mean, you can wear your Dr. Fauci Halloween costume, you can fight for the truth and science, but that's not going to really push any needles except cultural ones. In this moment, you have the potential as a human to somehow, I don't know, hot air balloon, long boat voyage, there's catapult. There's a way to go find the aliens right now. It's true. Cannot deny it. Okay, let's do do an ad for whatever the fuck we're doing. All right, let's record an ad, baby. (laughs) Aliens Crave podcast. Oh, my God. It's the only thing that's kept them from destroying us. Oh, no. The cost of a YouTube premium plan is going up 27%. That's affecting my household. Uh Uh-oh. That's that's not good. That's Uh, affecting your vote and you're going to hit the head of the pump. Oh, this is family plan price. Okay, folks, ditch your families. YouTube's getting more expensive. (laughs) Yeah, better to leave your family and keep your YouTube than than to pay more for it. I want there to be the go. I want there to be the deadbeat dad that left his family because of the family subscription costs. Yeah, I should that have would cut be down awesome. on streaming services, man. <laughs> I was thinking, Your Honor. maybe. I was thinking, you know, I was on the edge about it, and I was trying to decide what mattered to me. And I realized, you know, these kids just yell and scream and jump up and down. And I got to get my updates from, uh, you know, uh, Asmund Gold. And no ads. Yeah, I, I have to figure out why the, why the game is, is sucks with no ads as soon as the possible. The problem is if you have ads, that's when the kids get you. This way, no kids, no ads. I'm locked in. Kids are kind of like real life ads where you want to find a way to skip them or ad block them and or pay some sort of premium to make sure they never exist. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, YouTube premium, I mean, I use it and it has dramatically, uh, you know, improved my life uh, as someone who watches YouTube all day um, to go back. And to like use YouTube in the before times where there's these like insanely long, sometimes like two or three unskippable 25 second ads. There's that's that's not a way to live. That's that's not a way to be treated as a human. Um, So, yeah, here we are. Inflation. Everything is coming down on us. This is a, and then, and I, 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 I can't not blame the old bird Liz Truss for this. You know, you have to think that if she hadn't been such a cantankerous old Lizzie, um, you know, maybe the plans would remain at $17.99 a month. But they're not. They're going to $22.99 thanks to our imperial brothers to the east. Yeah. Well, you mean England? <laughs> They're the East. No, totally. But it's just that when people say that, they usually are talking about England. They're talking about India or like China. China. China's not imperialist. They've really just been working on them. You know, they've been going, hitting the gym, uh, you know, building yeah, out lifting, a financial profile. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, blocking, blocking the haters out of your life. That, that's what they're about for now. For uh, Let's hope. You know, I think at the, I think at this point, China's looking at the books and they're like, why? Why would anyone do any imperialism? Uh, it's actually it's actually more based to just um, I don't know. Uh, hang out with Fauci. I don't know what they do over there. They make gotcha games that I love. OK, <laughs> I mean, he- <laughs> they, they draw me in with these beautiful gotcha games. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that's just the and magic. Could, so I think that this is going to be a year of the China. Um, I know that China has their own years, but I have my 
I have my years for countries. So it's like, okay, this is a year of the China. Oh, next year's year of the China. I'm sorry. This was um this was year of the Donetsk province. And that was actually yeah, really this is about uh, Donetsk. Yeah, and that was me really looking my finger was on the dial there. Um Yeah, you nailed you nailed that when you called it uh way back in, in <laughs> January. Yeah. Yeah. So move over game predictions list. Um, Welcome to international geopolitical warfare list. Uh, So typically after the ad, this is the part where we talk about games that we've been playing. Lux, what the hell kind of goddamn dumbass freaking strategy wheels of eternity part three stone edition are you playing this week um well i've played a lot of persona five nice Persona four rather okay uh and it's great i fucking love it it's so fun the, i don't know if i like it quite as much deck. as five but it's extremely good playing on the steam deck loading times of like 0.0 seconds um and it's just like uh it's just like uh it's so hard to even like it, it's it has gotten to the point where it's problematic almost how smoothly it runs because oftentimes I do my SIG breaks, my get food, my, my, you know, finish off last couple of things I have to do for work or for a show after work hours are over and I'm playing video games. Like what prompts me into that mode is like, oh, there's a loading screen. I'll get up and start taking care of shakes. I'm waiting for this loading screen. You know, like that's what gets me going. Obviously, I don't like stop when the loading stops, which is like the game stops. That makes me stop and think and I start doing other stuff. Right. Um, pretty normal way to be. Uh, but this thing, loading times are so fast. I never get that little moment of like self-reflection. I'm just going, 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 going nonstop. Like a fucking energizer bunny. Wow. You're, we almost are wanting to crave the old ways again, aren't we? Huh? There's in almost a purpose some, for loading In some screens. ways, I want to uh, embrace tradition and reject modernity. But in other ways, wow. I fucking love modernity because my God, it's so fucking fun, man. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Wow. I never I never thought about that missing the loading screen. Now, I could well, think like about when when you're like playing hard, when you're like grinding, like when you're like doing Elden Ring the way that like everyone's doing Elden Ring at like the beginning of Elden Ring, the loading screen sucks because your thing isn't how am I going to break this up and integrate it into my day? It's like let me mainline this shit directly into my fucking veins. But when you're sort of playing a handheld game, well, you know, you get off work and you have to make dinner later and you got to go hang out with, with, you know, whoever and you got to, you know, you got a show coming up. You got to prep for that. And so you want to work that into your schedule. But all of a sudden, it's so hard to put the fucking thing down because it's just like non fucking stop. Um, and which is great on days when I'm doing nothing. Fucking I love that shit. But it is becoming like semi problematic to like my, you know, Thursday evenings when I have to do a couple of things. And I'm like, oh, I forgot to go get the groceries because I was playing video games for four hours. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in some ways, but maybe there's some, maybe there's some sort of compromise about the loading screens I can offer here. You know, I, I do like when there are less loading screens in general, but the way that they have sort of started to patch loading screens or like create fake ways of like covering up what is a loading screen are really starting to piss me off because I would take a loading screen any day of the week over this shit like third person game and you see this like this like very tiny crack in the wall and you have to like shimmy like left and right through it and you just have to like hold down like the left stick and like push through it and it's like 
it's like attempting to be like an immersive experience to like cover up the loading screen. Fuck it. I'm done. No more of those. I hate them. I hate pushing the stick forward. I hate wading through it. I would rather just look at a loading screen. Yeah, no, I think so. I think that the like the sort of how to make loading screens fun ethos uh, is infuriating. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, you know, oh, we'll just well, like in God of War. The answer is we're going to make like opening doors a long process or whatever. Like we're going to we're going to make just traversing through these hallways just like take longer. And there's no loading screen, but you do have to like lumber through this like insanely long, not really playable content moment. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe a loading screen might be better. I don't know. Um, that's just my hot take there. Uh, anything else you're playing or, or can I talk? Yeah, I've been right? playing Dio Field Chronicles a bunch. Yeah. D- okay, that- say that again. Dio Field Chronicles. Dio, like the band. Yeah. And 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 how'd you come? Oh, a little Square Enix there. Sure, sure, sure. Like, like a tactical RPG hit. Oh uh, yeah, a live like a sort of a, a, a tactical RPG and uh, a sort of real time pause it and go. Like you pause, you give commands, they're moving. It's not turn based per se. Um, I'm playing on the stream with Force Lab, playing a little bit on my own, and it's super fucking fun. Uh, good characters, mm. good world. Moves a lot quicker if you wanted to than, say, Triangle Strategy. Mm-hmm. Like, Triangle Strategy is great, but it's a very slow game, especially the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, Dio Field really gets into its business, and like, you're rolling, you're rock and rolling, and it's very fun. God damn, fucking. Ugh, you just said Triangle Strategy. That game was so good. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. And um, it's. It's very dope. I fucking I'm really enjoying it. It's tricky. It's like pretty hard to like you have to like really learn how to manipulate and make choices and like learn the strategies. And there's a lot of stuff to figure out. And you're moving pretty quick, uh-huh. which yeah. is fun. But like once you sort of get that down, it has all kinds of cool systems like you get four. You only have four guys in the field at any time, but each guy can have like a companion so you can use their moves. You can figure out combos of guys who work really well together. Or like a guy you have to have on the field, how best to protect them with the companion or who else to keep with them or whatever. So there's like a lot of really cool calculi and a lot of really cool choice making in this game. And then also like it's fun anime guys fighting each other, which is always nice. And this is uh, this is, you know, some of the movement around the map parts are reminding me of uh, the new the new Mario Rabbids game that came out yesterday, which is uh, Sparks of Hope, where they went uh, they moved away from a square tile uh, strategy game system to more of like a free movement, like conal space, uh, which apparently is a lot more fun. So, yeah, this is cool. Very cool. game. Very cool game. What have uh, have you been up to? Oh, brother. And sisters and um, and Lich Kings. I have been playing uh, World of Warcraft, Wrath of the Lich King. Folks, I know I mentioned last time that I was liking it, but that I'd been betrayed by my guild and that my guild had demoted me from raider to social because I wasn't leveling fast enough. Okay. You know, I, that's in the past now. Okay. We've moved past that. And I've been raiding for a couple of nights with the guild now. I've been getting some best in slot loot um, and just checking out everything that the end game has to offer. And yeah, I got to say, just having a blast with this game. I think that this is um, the moment where World of Warcraft was at its peak 
subscription wise, but I think also creatively they had the best foundation in this expansion. And if they just kept what things people loved about that and iterated on it, I think other things would have had more success. So um, what, what kind of things are, are you talking about in that respect? Okay. Yeah. So there are like, there are um, finite like ways to earn things that don't make it like a never ending treadmill. So it's like, okay, in this phase, these are the two best possible swords I can get in the game. And when I get them, it's going to be satisfying. I'm going to be able to walk around. People are going to see me have them. And like everything about that experience is going to be rewarding. In retail, you may get that sword, but you can keep running like mythics, which are like harder and harder, just like forever tiered versions of a dungeon and just like make this number arbitrarily go up and get a slightly increased stat boost to that weapon. And so it just kind of turns into this like more treadmill kind of forever going up game as opposed to a game where, oh, I've earned that cool sword permanently and that's my reward. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's a big one. Um, I think that the 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 zones are just so well designed in this one. Uh, the narrative is really really fun. Um, this is the first expansion where they tried phasing technology, which is essentially where you know it's funny. Like in normal old World of Warcraft, if a farmer gives you a quest to go out and kill a bunch of uh, robots that are ruining his farm, you kill them. You walk back back to that farm. The robots are still there. Narratively, it feels like you did nothing um but uh wrath of the lich king was the first time they included phasing technology so like you know as you're invading the lich king zone you do all these quests that start to add or take away things from the zone like you add new towers and new outposts or certain areas start to change and look visually different and having that kind of like meaningful impact on the on the world um is, is something that feels lost in the most modern versions of the game. Um, so that's yeah, really and, cool. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's a, it's fascinating. It's, it's so fascinating. You're talking about wow, just because it's like such a deep and dense thing that I've never once tried to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I, I just like, I was thinking about today. I was like, you know, it still is pretty amazing and crazy to me that like 25 people like have the organization and desire to show up multiple nights a week to like do something in unison for three hours. Like that's like, you know, like it's like imagine that like that many kickball teams or softball teams existed in the world. Like it's just it is fascinating. I know it's like less effort. You're sitting at home. You're not leaving your house. Um, but there is there's still something that is that is shared and focused about that experience that just doesn't exist in other game genres like it's it just doesn't exist yeah no it's it's a fast it is the comp to softball i think is or to kickball softball is like really good because i've been playing on that softball team go doug nuts america's team whoop, 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 feel the magic uh so you know like i'm on i'm all about that and like it does feel like the thing that you get out of these games is that same sort of like there are times during the week when you have a thing to do with a set of people, you all have a shared goal. You know each other. You know how you work. You know what you're trying to do together. And you just sit down and you fucking or you run around. And you fucking just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I and I will say, though, that. There because this is the second iteration of it, this is classic 
This isn't the first time that wrath has come out and the way that we interact with each other and the way that we need each other actually has lessened in games because there's so many other online resources that it is interesting to be like the 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 discord raid calls are quieter than they used to be back in the day like people aren't people aren't as social as i would like them to be and i think that is just a uh something that's just happened to people through gaming over time um because i i do remember being in raids where a, a ton of people were talking um uh, maybe that's just my personal guild but uh yeah there's a lot of interesting things there um just the zone design is just so incredible um because the first couple zones you can only use land mounts but then you finally unlock the ability to fly in northrend and the last two zones are completely designed around flying there's all these incredible peaks that you can only get up to by just like going up straight for like a minute um and there's just like all of those things that just feel more meaningful and interesting to engage in the world with than some more of just the treadmill content uh constant reward constant new numbers uh experience of retail that feels just very slippery and easy to slide off of um that feels that feels right like (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like increasingly there was like a period. And I think it does seem like you're not the only person who I've heard sort of express the sentiment that Wrath of the Lich King was sort of the peak of them using the MMO ness of it as like a storytelling and world building and narrative device. And then from that point forward, the MMO ness became sort of an economic leverage point to like extract money from people who were doing it or like Skinner box them into continuing to do it. Um, yeah, and-, and that seems worse. <laughs> it was uh and and you know hopefully blizzard is really noticing that classic is still popular for a reason and we're really hoping that when dragonflight the next modern retail expansion to come out in november um we're really hoping that a lot of those things that we love about classic start to get implemented back into the the retail game because you know if they can bring back some of those those things that make the game meaningful to play and rewarding um hey i'd play it so that's the wow check-in uh mmos they're back uh we're coming up on gaming season um you know overwatch 2 we've been playing a lot god of war comes out in like a week and a half uh we got a new pokemon game on the horizon there's a lot of stuff yeah i mean there's i mean we're gonna there's a lot of new stuff coming i'm excited for pokemon excited for god of war i was excited for ff16 that's not that's not this year, is it? I don't know when it is. But I'm so excited about it. That put the feel, trailer got jazz. <laughs> I'm betting that's like that's an April. Yeah, it could to be. me. Yeah. Um, but either way, I'm jazzed up. But yeah, there's just like there's exciting stuff coming. Um, I'm excited to keep looking through the Steam Deck. Obviously, like it's still a ways away because I have to finish PF P4 P4G before I like go like you know exploring the further depths of the Steam Deck. I'm really fucking excited about that. I'm also excited, and you might be into this as well a little bit, is that on the Forest and I are taking the stream back to our roots and just playing weird old Dreamcast games. And man, old Dreamcast games are fucking crazy. We just played Seventh Cross Evolution, which is a game where you start as a little blob and then you get DNA by killing stuff and grow new parts. Uh, and you get parts like Laser Horse and Bio Racer, which is a car, and Evil Wise, which is like a floating crystal bug. And there's one class you can be, which is just metal, which is just a guy made of metal who shoots lasers. Wait, who is a working Dreamcast? Forest. 
Oh, that's cool, man. And did he have to do anything to like rehabilitate it or is it just still running? He described it yesterday as a dream cast of Theseus and that he's replaced all the parts of it at least once. Right. Because you got to imagine that that kind of technology just starts to like not turn on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were having that problem last night where like it needs more. It draws more power than it's supposed to. Mm. Or like it needs more power than it is supposed to draw. So he mm. had to like figure out a way to increase the the voltage that was going to the t- Dreamcast before he could stream. If you're going to die, it should be by being electrocuted to death, trying to rehab a Dreamcast. That would be beautiful. And honestly, get us probably more audience more. Yeah, for sure. Know. At least the episode right after I electrocute myself to death trying to fix a Dreamcast would probably have like a pretty huge bump. I get a big bump there and, I, and then I'd lose it all. I'd lose it all um, in honor of you. Um, well, thank you. So, man. I appreciate that. Well, but hey, you know, our hearts are still beating and they're still pure and they're ready for some final fantasies. Uh, Anything else you want to say before we sign off this week? No, I think I'm good, man. Ready to be happy to be back. This is a fun app. Ready to keep rock and rolling next week. And uh, everybody, you know what? It's not even happy Halloween time. Happy Halloween's next week. So fuck off. Yeah, we'll we'll say say, nothing from me to this week. No, no, we have a sign off. It will say, oh, I brav. Time to back Boris in it. In it, it's, I'm resigning from the prime ministership. It's me, Liz. Wow, that's you've done a lot of. Is that we're we doing Stanislavski method to get there, or is that more of a Stella Adler thing? No, you know, I've been doing Stanislavski. I've been cut. I've been taking Cass's uh, tax returns and ripping them in half and flushing them down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, guys. <laughs>